Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Hello and Adieu. Mathis here. John is currently in Spain, so this episode is with my good friend and guest on the show, Jesse. Uh, we talk about Ghostbusters, which we both saw together, and we sort of give our opinions on that. And we talk about two new albums that came out this year that we had a lot of feelings about, uh, Blink-182 and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, both released new albums. Uh, and then lastly, we sort of get into, we sort of get into Jesse's uh, life story. We talk about how we know each other, where she's from, her own uh, spiritual walk and her dreams and passions. I hope you all enjoy. You can email us at hello and to do at gmail.com if uh, you have any questions that you'd like us to talk about we did get one email this week we're going to save it for when me and john do next week's episode uh just because it does relate to him as well uh and then if you want to to follow us on twitter you can get updates about the show and that's at hello and to do and that's h-e-l-l-o-a-n-d-a-d-i-e-u i hope i spelled that right john's usually here to correct me um rate subscribe and review us on itunes and that will help other people find the podcast enjoy this week's episode This is Mathis. John is away in Spain right now, and we weren't able to get an episode going this week, but we will have an episode with the two of us next week. But in the meantime, I have my friend Jesse on the <laughs> podcast. Say hi to the peoples. Hey, peeps. Jesse is here. Jesse here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really nervous, so just like. I tried to bear talk her me. out of it, but it's not. I know. <sighs> it's not helping. Yeah, it's a lot, but that's okay. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a great time. We are, yeah. yeah. And you like podcasts a lot. Yeah, I love podcasts. They're like my 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 p- pass by time. My your your time passer. <laughs> yeah. What is the? Yeah, it's a uh, America's favorite pastime. That pastime. That's what it that's is. It. I kind of had to go through the phraseology yeah. of baseball to yeah. get to it. I Ooh. was like, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's America's number one pastime. Yeah. So I was yeah. like. Uh, it's it's what baseball is. Yeah, podcast is to Jesse what what baseball is to America. Yeah, that's but also it. Jesse is a is a softball player. So yeah, so it's also it's one almost of my also to to Jesse as podcast is to yeah. Jesse. So yeah, nailed that's it. A little confusing. Nailed that's, a little, it. <laughs> that's a little harder to work with. Yeah, no, it's a good one though. So I'm excited to do this. Super stoked. Why do you why do you love podcasts? Um. Well, I had mentioned previously to Mathis that I don't enjoy reading books, but I enjoy reading books. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like the process of reading. It's really hard and frustrating for me, but I enjoy the knowledge that goes into my head. So that's what I feel like podcasts kind of hit you with that knowledge, drop the knowledge, if you will. Mm. But then... That's not this podcast. No. (laughs) (laughs) It might be. It might be. Today. To somebody. Yeah. Someone to some, out there. <laughs> some guy out there who's never, who's yeah. never heard us. Yeah. These thoughts before. Yeah. But not many. Yeah. It's, I mean, some knowledge. But yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I just enjoy, I enjoy the 
knowledgeable pieces and then I can yep. kind of like sound smart in conversations and fake my way through life, yeah, which like, is what it is to be an American. Have you heard where ice cubes come from? And then people are like, how do you even know this? <laughs> right. And yes. you're like, I'm a, I'm a podcast junkie, so <laughs> yeah. I know everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then so it works fine. out. Exactly. I was talking about podcasts with somebody yesterday and uh, she was a podcast junkie. And we were talking about the, the really great thing about podcasts in the entertainment realm. The thing that separates it a lot is that it's not overly stimulating. It's a very like calm way mm-hmm. to enjoy entertainment that is not like a book. Like yeah. the only other thing that's like a podcast is a book. And if you don't have time to read a book or it's hard to read a book, the only other thing you can do is a podcast. Yeah. So I it's agree. kind of interesting that we've both been like into podcasts from about the same point. Like you started in like past December. Yeah. And I started in like October, I think. I was like, What? Oh really? Yeah. So I'm like I'm so new to the the phenomenon as well. But. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought you were like a like a diehard, like three years deep before it even became a thing <laughs> podcaster. If I listened to podcasts for three years before I started a podcast, I would hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like Wow. I call myself a creator. What have I been doing? No, you're creative. Thank you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah. I just wanted to like slide into that little quick tangent and talk about the love for podcasts. Cute. But me and Jesse went and saw Ghostbusters yesterday. We and did. We are, we're here to report. Yeah. We're here to report our, our thoughts and feelings. We've had a day to sleep on it. Um. To I dreamt about it. The Green Goblin Goobly. The the Green Goblin Goobly? <laughs> yeah. You dreamt about the Green Goblin Goobly? I did. Wow. He was like up in my dream randomly. It was like he wasn't supposed to be there. It wasn't wow. like he was, I don't know. He was so just you, there. You're having a regular dream. Yeah. Just normal New York City. And then Slimer just shows up. and Yeah, it wasn't even New York. He was, was it like Slimer away from or home. was it the dragon green thing? Which no, it was Slimer. It was Slimer. Yeah, the it token, was Slimer. The token man of the... Yeah, the token green man. The the eater of the hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was just kind of floating in. I think we were like at a pool, actually. So you like, you need to get the hell out of here. I mean, not really. I, I really received him and I accepted him as who he was. You're not a good Ghostbuster. So, I'm not. I'm not. Like maybe he's our friend. Yeah, like I was like. He's he not our just... friend, Jesse. I know. I would not be a good Ghostbuster, I guess. Ah, oh, man. Dreams crushed. That's kind of sad. I know. Uh, that's all right. I, but I was nice to him and he loved me, so. I made I a new that friend. that part's kind of nice. Yeah. I So I purposefully... Because I'm a huge Ghostbuster fan. Like Ghostbusters is in my like top five favorite movies. Mm. So going into this movie, I was very intentional about the crowd that I went with because mm-hmm. I was like, I want all positive vibes. I want people who love Ghostbusters or people who really want this movie to succeed or people who love or who are fun to watch movies with. And I really like I talk about this a lot with people, but I think it had a really, really huge effect on this movie. Because like I came out and I I thought it was great. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like, that was so much fun. And I really think that it was because I was there with a lot of people that I care about. I was there with a lot of people who are into Ghostbusters and who like funny movies and who like movies. And you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyways, we've had a we've had a day to sleep on it. Yeah. Thoughts. Just you can go anywhere. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really, really I love the female cast. And no, it's not just because I'm a female. It's because, like, I (laughs) really, it's Uh because, like, I really 
thoroughly did enjoy and I like them as um, comedians anyways. Yeah. But and it can also I mean, it can always be it can turn cheesy. That's kind of what I was afraid of. Because sometimes when there is that many females in one spot, it's like they turn it into this big cheese fest. And yeah, I, no, it, it's so true. Yeah, and they really, like, they nailed it. They were, like, very quick-witted, quick. The quick wit. They had the quick wit. They had the quick wit. And um, they got to look, like, look yeah. at the, what? <laughs> <laughs> got to look at, at the doctors. That yeah. joke had too many words it's in okay. it. You tried. Moving on. Um, and, <laughs> and I really... Um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the uh, the cameos because mm-hmm. I can they, say that they're great, eh? Yeah, they were, and they. I loved I, I was how very it was. Impressed with how they worked that all in. Yes, and it was from start to finish. Like that's yeah. what I love. They didn't just boom, boom, boom. Like they made yeah. it so that, and you knew you after like the first two, you were like, oh, okay, so this is exactly. You're like, like, oh, there's more coming. Yeah, like absolutely. There and there was some like surprise. And they always surprised ones. you. Yeah, yeah, you were like, oh, that I didn't, I didn't know that was coming right then. Yeah, I did. There was a couple of them that I didn't even expect. Yeah, and then so Same. that was really cool. Yeah, I enjoyed that. To to clarify to people listening who are unsure, because I was unsure until like right before the movie came out. It is a revamp. It is a it is yeah. a full on remake. It's not a sequel whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters Corp does not exist. There are no Ghostbusters. These are the first Ghostbusters. Yeah, and that was a that along with a shit ton of other things was a huge problem in the marketing. Like this movie was not well represented for like the past year. Yeah. Every, all of the press has been bad. Right. And, and to make it even worse, like, people are holding on to this franchise with such, like, a death grip that people purposefully tanked the YouTube video. It's the most disliked trailer on YouTube ever. And really? people literally just did it to, like, to create the negativity to it. And people are tanking the IMDb. So right now it's at a it's a 4.1 or something on IMDb. Oh, my uh, gosh. People, that is not a good representation of the movie. No. But, but they're just doing it because it's, it's this whole like, you ruined my childhood sort of vibe. But I was even, I was even talking to a friend today about like, when did, when did Ghostbusters become this like sacred thing? It's, when did it become the same thing as Star Wars? You know what I mean? I was, I was like, that it's not the same thing. Like people act like it was some sort of like childhood like memory that they were holding on to that's been with them forever and it's like I mean it was just an, it was an 80s thing that yeah. happened and it and this coming from somebody who loves the first movie it's not the same thing like this is well I think once Bill Murray became such a like a household legend off of like maybe, once Chive yeah. got huge and all of a sudden it's like he's this like god for he's this god in the movie world I think that people is, almost yeah. like respected the movie and it could have been the, I mean, it could have been the female thing. It could be just like how, kind of like how they did the, um, the lead, the lead guy in the Star Wars was black. People were like, well, how could you do that? And blah, blah, blah. Right. It's kind of the same, same aspect, but just women. That's an interesting point because The Force Awakens, the two leads, is a, it's a female and a black mm-hmm. man. Yeah. And it's very like, oh, it's a female and a black guy. Like, it's not like... It doesn't feel heavy-handed or forced Mm-mm. or, like, like it had to be that way because they were trying to make some sort of statement. And in the same way, Ghostbusters, it just does not feel as agendified. I don't know what the word would be, but, yeah. like, it does not feel like it's pushing a stance at all. I don't even... It's not as, like, political as it seemed like it was going to be. No. You know? Yeah. And... 
and it is this whole like what what if it were what if it were all females and it's like it's sort of like a, a why 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 do they all have to be females it's like I, I don't understand i don't understand the reason like there was a lot of people what they were saying like you're just doing that because because the, because you know because because it doesn't matter right but i i was reading an interview with paul feig who directed it and he was like i for one he's been a huge member of like female empowerment in the entertainment industry mm. you know like he he directed Bridesmaids, The Heat, Spy, and Ghostbusters. Right. And right. a lot of those women who are in those movies are saying like, we've. It was. It's amazing to work with so many women on set. That never happens. It's it's amazing to have the opportunity to be funny and not just be uptight. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't always happen. It's amazing to be like playing great characters. That doesn't always happen. And he's like very open about like that's a huge part of my my career goals like I don't want women to be in these uptight or one-dimensional performances like I want it to be as important as the roles that males get so he's like bringing he's bringing that into Ghostbusters Mm -hmm. and he said he said we have we have the first Ghostbusters and we and we can look at I don't know if I totally agree with this but he was like but boys can look at them and be like cool those those men are ghostbusters and he was like Mm. i wanted girls to be able to do the same thing like i wanted girls to be able to look and go like cool those are ghostbusters but and the reason why i say i don't know if i totally agree with it is because it's like do people really like consider the ghostbusters role models i don't really know but maybe i kind of see what he's like as act like not even just ghostbusters but like as actors yeah yeah you know like that's because they're not it's more than silly it's like very well-rounded people yeah and something that i really like about the movie is that they have the opportunity to be heroes and it doesn't mean that they're not silly at times it doesn't mean that they're not uh incompetent at times like that's a part of the ghostbusters humor like you don't know what the hell you're doing you know that was in the first movie and that's in this new movie as well so it's like you can be all those things, but you can still be the hero at the end. And so that, maybe that's what's important. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And I, I also just kind of think that like us as a society, I guess right now, it's kind of the same trend. We're having a really hard time. Like, yeah, maybe he was making a statement. Let's say, heaven forbid, he was like, no, we're going to do women because we want to amp like, let's lift women up. Like, let's show people there's funny women comedians, like women can be directors. That's a big thing. Like, mm-hmm. let's just say that that was happening. We're having such a hard time supporting that. It's like, why wouldn't you want to support that a woman is in a major role, you know? And it's right. not, that's not even anything that they portrayed in the movie, but that's just kind of like, why, why not support it? Like, why not support right. the difference? I think, I think the thing that a lot of people feel is that it's like they are usurping a franchise mm. and saying, like, now we're going to use this to do what you're saying. Right. And it's like, what, I love Ghostbusters. Why did you take it to make your political Yeah, move? that's true. And that's, that's, like, I don't have a huge attachment to Ocean's Eleven, but that's what I feel like they're doing with this new Ocean's Eleven movie. It's an, it's an all-female cast. What? And I was like, <sighs> it feels like you just usurped it. Oh, that's and you hard. Were, yeah, and I, it's like I'm not even attached to it. I just feel like it's such a like. I mean, let's even just talk about like the the pragmatism of of team movies. It's mm-hmm. like, why are there eleven women? Like, right? You, there was no guys that could help you like rob a bank. I mean, that's getting really technical, right? But you know what I mean? It's right. like, okay, that now you're just. 
I get it. Now that makes sense. You know what I mean? Because I am attached to Ocean's Eleven. Like that was one of yes, that is like I just don't like what they're going with it. Have you heard who the cast is thus far? Sandra Bullock, Helena Boehm Carter, Mindy Colling, and Kate Blanchett are four of the women in it. And they just don't feel it doesn't feel right. Okay. It's like Yeah. That's hard. Are these the women? Are these the women that go and rob Las Vegas? Right. I don't And I like them as actresses. That's what sucks too, is it's like well, that's I enjoy them as actresses, exactly. but it's like Ugh. I love me some Kate Blanchett. She is amazing. Yeah, she's Sage, awesome. Sandra Bullock too. Like, oh my god, she's amazing. Yeah, all Mindy's. The time. I'm like huge fan of Mindy. Really? Yeah, love yeah. Mindy. But this doesn't feel right. No, and it feels off. And to come back to Ghostbusters, it felt so right. It, it did. Like it. These. Like, let's pretend like. Uh, it's it's really realistic that there's eleven women that are all working together to rob a bank. Like to make that feel believable like oh yeah these are the women that would do that that's really hard and that's that's one of the things that i applaud ghostbusters on it's like yeah you really did make it seem like they were a family or that they they knew each other or that they could work together or that they were yeah. the heroes you know like it's so well casted it just feels right yes and, and i love liam hemmingsworth hemsworth hemsworth hemmingsworth he kind of went like a hemmingsway <laughs> and then like a hemsworth and yeah. hemmingsworth here to be your new yeah. butler <laughs> Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth, because he has yeah. a brother, doesn't he? That's Thor, or yeah, is that that's... Thor? He's oh, not Thor. whoa, whoa! Time out. This is Chris Hemsworth. You about have me spit inaccuracies on my podcast. Uh, Chris, Chris. This Hemsworth. is Chris Hemsworth. Okay, because I knew that Liam Hemsworth is the is Hunger Thor. Games one. Hunger Games. No, the one that's in Ghostbusters is Thor. Really? That's Thor. Oh, isn't that remarkable? That yeah. That is the same actor. Oh, I didn't even know. That's crazy. Well. Chris Hemsworth. Just to speak to his performance. Yeah. You didn't even know that was Thor. I did not even. Yeah, I didn't. And he did, he like, he's definitely hands down one of my favorite characters. He nailed it. He's awesome. He was like, of course, obviously attractive, but he was just like who he was as his role was phenomenal. He's a a doof and it's so funny. (laughs) It's like they combined, oh gosh. They combined Rick Moranis' character from the first movie with, what's her name? Like, the secretary. Yeah. What's her yes. name? Gosh, I'm such a bad Ghostbusters fan. But Sorry. it feels combined because he's, like, he is, he's the other sex in the room. He's the secretary. He's the, <laughs> he's the annoyed one. He's the, like, this is just a job one. But he's also the, the dumb one. Like, yeah. he's the socially awkward, like, just walking around with a stupid grin on his face one so they've like kind of merged that into the same character yeah i he was awesome i really really liked him a lot i was i was really happy to see melissa mccarthy not be like the balls to the wall character just Mm -hmm. the like the foul-mouthed like causing all the problems just being really insane the entire movie like this is like the first movie i've ever seen her do that Right. Like, yeah. she's more grounded in Bridesmaids, but she's still, like, the hothead. Yeah. You know? She's still out of control, for sure, in <laughs> Bridesmaids. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to try to say she's normal at right, all. Right, right, Yeah, I did. I thought that she... I loved her... Um, I don't know. She just was... A, she, it's not that she was a supporting character, but she almost took it on as if she was a supporting character. Like, she was a main... Like a lead, but actress. she didn't try to steal every scene. No. She wasn't like, "Look at me, yeah, I'm Melissa," <laughs> you know, like, "Look at yeah. me." <laughs> yeah, she was awesome. I really liked it. Your friend yesterday had mentioned, yeah, um, the the way that the ghosts were. Yeah, 
I agree with that. I agree. I, I totally agree, it's too. It's like if... That's what I've been saying from the beginning. Yeah, it's like 2016. I loved in the original Ghostbusters how real the ghosts were. Yeah. Like, it was... That was like my dream when I was growing up. I wanted to have a, titan- a ghost Titanic birthday party because of... That scene the, at the end the, when yes, you see it in Titanic. Scene. And yeah. it was sick. And in this one, they did it very... Disney-esque. Disney-esque, all uniform, like it's all the same ghost, yeah. sort of. Like, yeah, and I feel like they could have yeah. made it almost. But then I guess in the same, it's not it's supposed to be a scary movie, so I guess you can't right. go too too real or else it's going to be like right. eerie. But So I don't know. But I think that the thing about the original Ghostbusters is that it's okay to be eerie. Like you can be That's funny true. and you can be eerie. And that at points, I will applaud this movie because at points it's – it's just enough scary for me to to be like to be satisfied like oh they they weren't trying to make you actually scared but they did like get the suspense through horror elements you know right not like the is oh no is he gonna die like the earth's exploding not that type of suspense but like the doors creeping open type right. of su- suspense you know I was really happy that stuff like that was in the movie yeah but yeah like what you're saying if if they did more on-set ghosts if they did more oh that ghost looks entirely different from that ghost like skeletons walking around zombies walking around like just completely manipulated faces not even looking like humans like that's something really powerful or not powerful special that's something really special about the first ghostbusters yeah like i don't even know like i can't explain all these things yeah but the way that i would explain in the new one is that there's very few goblin-y, uh, mystical creatures things. It's more right. like these are just a bunch of past people. Like, these are a bunch of dead people. So it's like, you know, you got that one person who's in the Victorian dress. You got the one guy who's dressed like the 20s. You know, it's... Yeah. And and they just made all those ghosts look the same. You know? Yeah, Because they they're did. like, this is just... This is what ghosts look like, you know? Right. That, it looks like what it reminded me of was Scooby-Doo, the people version, when they would try to do, mm. like the fake ghosts but they were real people that's how they portrayed it to yeah. me and it was like eh, i just i yeah, didn't I know you're talking about. that was just the only like it that was my only real i guess complaint yeah not even a complaint because it was still cool i mean yeah i mean they look good and i was yeah. reading that it's it's people on set who are wrapped in like this led suit like oh, this wow. glowy suit that they performed in and i'm like that's cool but it just didn't pay off like it didn't yeah. feel like wow, that created a cool effect. It was yeah. just like, well, that, that's like a Hollywood level effect. Like it looks pretty and it's right. kind of forgettable. Yeah, but it's like, again, 2016. Like I feel like we've just come so far. Yeah. But I did love, I just have to mention it, I loved that scene where, what's her name, the Saturday Night Live girl with the glasses? Mm, with the, oh, Kate McKinnon. Yes, Kate McKinnon, Kate McKinnon had McKinnon. a, like, badass fight scene. Like, yeah. it was, they nailed it with the music, they nailed it with the slow motion, and, yeah. oh, it was sick. It was amazing. I don't know why she was the one chosen to do that amazing I mean, look at her scene. character. Yeah, she's that's so true. outlandish. Like, yeah. she's not even a real person in some of those scenes. It's just yeah. like, this person's crazy. Yeah. But she was my favorite ghost buster by far for yeah. one kate mckinnon is like so funny to me she's I, hilarious she's so I love funny her. like yeah. her as hillary clinton is funny every oh single my. time ellen degeneres justin bieber she yeah nails she's it. so she's so good at those impersonations yeah but what i loved about her like she's the egon of this movie and the great thing about egon in the first movie is that 
it's more so in the new Ghostbusters, actually. But you could, like, watch Egon in a scene, and he could make you laugh. And you're right. just, like, watching the scene happen, and then you look at Egon, and you're like, oh, Egon's just being silly. But to, like, the 10th degree in the new Ghostbusters, when when the scene is happening and you see Kate McKinnon in the background, she's just being a goofball. Like, yeah. She's not even, like, doing really crazy things, but she'll just, like, be grinning or staring <laughs> or just... Yeah. She just has such a... She has a funny face. Yeah, she you know? does. She's got this, like, clear-eyed, teethy smile that's yeah. just... It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. And she, she said a few lines where I just, like, laughed for a very long time about them because yeah. they were really no, good. No, Mathis was, like, for real LOLing. Like, I was three <laughs> seats away from him, and I could hear him at the end of the row. It was a good, hearty, like, belly uh, laugh. Yeah. It was a good one. Yeah, she you was, liked it. She was getting me. I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> she is so funny. Yeah, you loved it. It was yeah. good. Something I really liked about it was that it wasn't raunchy. Mm-hmm. And and I don't even mean that in like a, there's too many raunchy comedies. I don't mean to say that. And I don't mean to say I don't like raunchy comedies. But the fact that they were to take all of, like, it's a movie filled with SNL people. It's just yep. all these people. And that's the that's what we know them from. And there are no dirty jokes. There's no profanity in this movie. And I think in in a world, it could look like that and it'd be like, okay. But it does kind of separate it a little bit um, from other comedies coming out this year. Other other comedies with people like that in them. Yeah. And and Paul Feig, even the director, you know, he said in an interview, he was like, I just I making the movie. He was like, I I just fully believed it could be inappropriate comedy like it could be a fully appropriate comedy and it would still be hilarious yeah and that's why he was like i'm gonna i'm gonna do it yeah that's awesome yeah it just it just had this innocence to it like this very like family movie innocence to it which is also why the all-female cast works for it because it's just mm-hmm. it's just it's such an innocent like heartful movie it's like i don't know you know what i mean like yeah. it's just very I do, and I I keep seeing these memes of, like, four guys, and, you know, it's like, I, these should have been the Ghostbusters. I've seen, like, countless mm-hmm. of them, and it's like, every time, now I'm kind of studying them, and every time I look, and I just try to think about the dynamic, and it, it doesn't, it does not surpass, yeah, they're great, like, they did a Seth Rogen one, or Seth, not Seth Rogen. Who are you thinking of? No, Seth Rogen, yeah. Seth Rogen? It, they did, like, yes, they Glasses, did that, yeah. right, with, like, James Franco, this is just too easy. Yeah. And it's just like there there are some really good ones. There's a, a good group of people out there also that could have done this movie. You know, like, but it's just they can't surpass the, like the which, women did well, really well. Yeah. Which brings me to another interesting point I found reading about the movie yesterday was that Paul Feig was given was given a script that was approved by Ivan Reitman, the creator of Ghostbusters with Harold Ramis. Like he loved it and they offered it to Paul Feig. And it was a, it was, um, it was a Ghostbusters three. Like it was a ghost. It was a continuation film. Okay. It was rookies. One of them was a woman. Two of them were, were or three of them were males. Mm. And they offered it to him, and he said, "I don't want to make that movie." And they offered it to a, a bunch of other people in Hollywood. They all turned it down. Nobody wanted to touch the property. Came back to him. He's like, "I don't want to make that movie." But I do want to make a, I want to make a, a four, a you know like a four females leading the cast Ghostbusters movie. Wow! And so they didn't make that the movie that they offered him many times. Yeah. They made the one that he like, 
he went out on a limb to try to get made and he really he really did go out on a limb to get that movie made like wow <clears throat> i was reading i was reading this interview where he was like if this movie doesn't do well i might have like sabotaged my career because right. you know he really he really pushed hard to make that movie happen wow. and and there's just so many things about the movie that could cause it to fail and it's but probably an expensive move like that. It is. With it's the most the... expensive movie he's made. Wow, that's mo- crazy. Yeah. So he really did. He took a little. He, he took, took a, a huge risk, which, which just made me like the movie more because yeah. I was like, good for you, good for you. Like yeah. that's that's a really insane risk to take. Yeah. And to basically have an, like a largely. Accepted Ghostbusters three like at your at your feet, mm-hmm. and to be like, nah. I want right. to do it all female. It's like, what are you crazy? Like, yeah, you're gonna like make everybody angry. Yeah, yeah. I just at at this point, I I just would I would ask anybody who is hating on it just to like you know get, go give it a shot because I think that nobody is going to hate this movie as much as they think they are. You might not like it, but this is not this is not bad by any means. No, I definitely yeah it was, and I I I kind of went in it with like half expectations you know yeah, like, I did too and it and it surpassed what I thought it was even gonna be me too so, yeah yeah I liked it I um I'm attending at midnight with Chris Hardwick this upcoming week and Chris Hardwick hosts the Nerdist one of my favorite podcasts mm-hmm. he's a he's a great host he hosts so many things yeah but he so he does this talk show at midnight and Paul Feig is going to be on it and I am I'm so excited to attend because I just want to it's going to be, you know, the weekend is passed after the movies come out, mm-hmm. and he's definitely going to talk about Ghostbusters on it. And I just want to to be able to see him in person and hear him talk about it. You know, I'm I'm excited to come back and like report to the podcast, like yeah, what else I'm what else I've learned about making this movie, and you know, just other things that that came into making it happen. Yeah, that'll you know, be like, awesome. I'm very I'm very excited about it. The way that you you don't do like the the females taking over the franchise would I just watched Neighbors two and it is not it is not what you do it feels like so so much like the women in the movie are just fighting and pointing out like the sexism of the rest of the cast and pointing out how they deserve to be treated the same as all these men and it's very like just feels like everybody's getting bashed in this really like nasty way kind of it it was just i watched it the night before ghostbusters and i was like i this is what ghostbusters is going to be like i was like so mm. afraid going into it i was like they're going to like talk about all these people who hate on them because they're like females and how they deserve to have they deserve to bus ghosts the same as anybody else deserves a bus ghost and and I was like really nervous in in Neighbors too. They just keep bashing you over the head. Like anytime anything, any sort of an obstacle comes up to them, they they say like women deserve what men deserve. And it's right. like you're you're actually just becoming really disrespectful human beings in college. Like that's yeah. <laughs> and you just want you just want more permission to do that. How about we ask these men in the movie to be a little more accountable and less? I don't want to use the word retarded. Maybe like but. less dickish. Yeah, like they're they're all mindless. They're all mindless party zombies, and the females want that same privilege. I was telling you, like I don't like Frau 
frat party movies because yeah. there's like no sensible characters in it. And maybe if I saw the first Neighbors, I would like it more. But and that I mean, and that could also be something that for people who do like the frat house parties or the you know big party scenes, like maybe this is the way that like maybe Seth Rogen found the way to kind of explain equality to the to those kind of people that enjoyed that movie I guess does that make sense maybe like, you're so much more positive than I am yeah <laughs> I'm just like wow you made a bad movie right right and you're like but, but maybe yeah. <laughs> think about their demographic yeah who's gonna see this right like maybe to yeah. some people are like you're right like women do deserve to be treated equal and they came out and they had this big epiphany I don't know I just maybe. think that you're more I'm kind of frustrated that you yeah <laughs> that you kind of have a good point <laughs> <laughs> I know you're just like you ha- you're more in touch like with actual emotion not to say that men aren't but I'm just saying like you're just more you're like more you're in like touch I don't know a super yeah yeah emotional man yeah I'm super <laughs> emotional man yeah <laughs> exactly so maybe that's you just exactly what it. you were thinking <laughs> right, like, yeah right. that's I nailed it on the head yeah <laughs> What, and I was telling you this before about this whole this whole sexism anti-sexism agenda of the movie how like they push it really hard and then all the races in the movie get made fun of like there's a lot of jokes at black people a lot of jokes at Jewish people mm. and and I was as I was looking at the reviews of the movie and seeing how everybody loved it I was like I'm so confused and something that I kind of picked up on was that I think a lot of people found it clever that they were doing that while trashing other people who were like putting down other groups in the movie and and the the women are asking to be treated better i think a lot of people found that clever because it was like saying like you demand this but you're not treating anybody else around you the way that you want to be treated right like they could have been making they could have been like playing on that element you know like right like purposefully going over the top to say like stop being sexist stop being sexist like haha joke at the black person stop being sexist like yeah you know being so over the top with it that people go they're kind of like mistreating all the races in the movie you know right. what i mean like which would make sense because i mean that is kind of seth rogan's cup of tea he likes you, in which those. that's what you told me too yeah. you're like there's a lot of jew jokes in yeah. these movies yeah which which is i mean he does he goes pretty over the top and and sometimes he nails it like the interview yeah it was that he nailed it like did I, they make a lot of jew jokes in the interview not in that but just no. j- like no. jokes of like the other race right because they're you in know. they're in north korea yeah and there's a lot of race jokes there tons of race but jokes it, but he na- i mean he yeah did we, it, we he were both saying this landed it yeah he yeah, totally landed it on that one but when it came i i guess i haven't seen the neighbors but what yeah. it sounds like he just he tried something and, uh, you know, he missed Which, a bit. yeah, which when, after I finished the movie, I was like, it's not really that surprising that not all of his movies work because he makes movies so fast. Mm. Like anything that you've seen in the last five years with Seth Rogen and he, he's been a creative leader on that movie. Like he produces most of his own movies now and he co-writes most of his own movies with his co-writer, uh, Evan Goldberg, who's sometimes, uh, who also produces and who sometimes directs, mm-hmm. but they do so many movies together that it's not surprising that they don't all work. Right. Like, right. 
I also didn't like This Is The End, you know, and a lot of people loved This oh, Is I The End. Oh, I love that movie. See, I'm like in the yeah. minority where I yeah. was like, this is terrible. Yeah. But <laughs> but they make movies so fast, yeah. so it makes sense to me. It's like Woody Allen, like he makes movies so fast. Right. And they're not all good. Yeah. But He's gone for quantity. Exactly. Kind of. they, well, and the thing is, is like as a writer, the only thing you can do is keep moving forward. Like, right. Like you just, they just keep writing scripts and they're like, okay, let's go make it. Yeah. And then they get gold or they get shit sometimes. And yeah. but even even what I think is shitty from them, other people love. So um, it's I kind of respect him for how fast he works. Yeah. Like a, a friend was telling me that I don't remember who it was, but they knew somebody who had been like an extra on on like a Seth Rogen film, I believe. And they were the the extra was like every time that they would cut. Seth Rogen would jump in a van and it would just like drive away while they did the next setups for the mm-hmm. scenes. And those like a few people in the van and one of them was Evan Goldberg, his his co-writer. And then the whenever it was time like the next scene was set up, van pulls up, jump out of the van, act in the scene, finish the scene, jump in the van, like go drive around a little bit. Hmm. And he later found out it was because in the middle of those setups they were writing their next movie. Like they work that fast oh wow yeah that's crazy and i love that he doesn't like i wouldn't expect that right you don't this, expect it from him yeah, he's from just him, this like yes. dope, like, right. you know and he's just that's awesome yeah but he, and he, he works they're so brilliant. fast and so they're, hard like james franco is like just an like they're just intelligent people they just have this way of yeah portraying like com- and, they use it and he's comedy. the same way like he's in a lot of their movies but he's also he is he teaches at Harvard on a regular basis. He directs his own movies. Yeah. He he you know he he runs an acting studio. Like he does so yeah. much. And wow. he's also just an idiot in most of the movies he's in. Right. Right. And it's I don't know, it's very that part's very satisfying to mm-hmm. just see these people be so humbled yeah. by like I'm I like acting like an idiot. Like of course I'm writing movies a billion times faster than most people, but I I like to be the idiot in the movie. And right. they're, like, okay with it. Like, yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. So I did circle back around a lot of his career Yeah, after watching Neighbors 2. I'm not yeah. a big fan of the movie, but... I know. After this whole conversation, now it's like my respect just grew, like, ten times. Right, yeah. So it's yeah. crazy. The, the more you learn about him and his, his team, the more you're like, oh, my God, like, they make movies so fast and... And when they're good, they're great. And yeah, yeah, for sure. Do, do you think that, um, what's it called, the interview? Do you think they did that release on purpose? Because remember how they said that they couldn't put it out mm-hmm. into movie theaters, so then it just dropped on iTunes. Right. I think that. I think that the. I don't know. I know there's some sort of conspiracy behind it. There has to be. Right. Because I think they blamed it on on like it being some sort of threat to release in theaters but right. it actually was related to like the sony hack and it was like a gotcha and it was like let's pretend like this was the problem like let's pretend like the north koreans said you better not release that movie or bad things are going to happen and yeah. then we like dropped the movie like i wonder if they used it as a decoy or to the public you know, so that gotcha. sort of thing i kind of thought well but then that wouldn't make sense cuz it probably wouldn't make as much money it did not but it was a really interesting experiment because nobody had seen a Hollywood movie that big just be dropped on demand. Like, it played right. in, like, 500 theaters in the States. And other than that, it was, like, boom, you know, like... That's crazy. iTunes, VOD, 
whatever that's called. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, that's just video on demand. I just realized that's what that stands you for. sure did. Yeah. Wow. Nailed it. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow! But it was a re- it was really interesting to watch the numbers because no one had seen a movie that big just be dropped without the theater run yeah. before, and it didn't do it didn't do great, I don't think. But the movie lived on really well. Like, I think it did really well in the in the post release mm-hmm. stages. Like, people watched a lot. Yeah, and I totally wrote the movie off. Like, I saw it like a year and a half after it came out. Oh wow! And I was just hanging out with my my roommate, and he's like, "You want to know what's a what's a great movie?" And I was like, "What's a great movie?" The interview, and I was like, "Okay, well, sometimes you're wrong about movies, right. and this <laughs> might be one of those times." And he was like, "Right, you need to give it a chance." Yeah, and I was like, "Well, I love James Franco." Okay, and the first scene sold me. I was like, yes. "This is such a good movie." They, like, oh, I love that movie so much. Yeah, he does. It, you're it right. It blew my mind. He does a lot of great movies, but then some of them, you know. He misses yeah. it, but yeah, it's, that was a good one. It doesn't really matter as much when he misses it because it is so. Right. Yeah. I agree. I concur. I concur. Yeah. My dear scholar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I guess to close up the movie discussion, what would you say is one of your favorite movies? Ever? Yeah. Just a get-to-know-you question for the fans, um, for the audience, ooh. not really fans. Fans is a strong word. Yeah. I take back fans. <laughs> Fans Aww. is a short word for You're fanatics. Sure you have fans, yeah, like two. Yeah, <laughs> your mom. Yeah, and, right. Mom. <laughs> um, I think uh, I'm gonna have to go with the Book of Eli. One of your favorites. One of my favorites. Uh, fun fact: Did you know that the new Star Wars movie was written by the guy who wrote the Book of Eli? Really? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Perfect pick. Yeah. Someone who really wrote on a tight budget a dystopian movie. Yeah. With like heavy themes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That you know? is like I That's I, a really strong pick. Yeah. I could like watch that movie over and over and over and get chills every time. Like at the it's, end I'm cry- I'm bawling. Like I'm weeping every time. It's really? so good. Yes. I am obsessed. That's a really and fun movie. It was one of the movies that I was really attracted to before I was like actually back on my path of like being saved and I mm-hmm. so I was very attached to it not fully understanding like I understood what it meant to be meant to me but not fully like I was like I don't know why I love this movie so much but I really do right. you know I can see so it's kind of it's like it goes deeper than just the awesomeness of it it's like that really kind of it was like God's little reminder of hey like mm-hmm. don't forget I'm still here you yeah know? so that was another yeah probably well, reason I think one of the reasons why I continue to like the movie a lot is that they they turned a faith walk into like an action movie. Yeah, you know? like it's a really intense, like bloody, brutal so world. So gory, and it's like a yeah, it's like it's like this really intense movie, and then at the end, it's just like this guy's just really on a mission from God, and he was yes. like, "I'm gonna go, I'm gonna save the last Bible," which is just a really great concept on its own no like that would have been so easy to pitch to a studio just like yes denzel washington is like marching through the desert to like send the last bible off to like this one this last refuge of like information yeah it's like okay let's make it is he is the writer christian i don't know i do not know seems gary witta if you want to look him up gary witta thank you gary witta (laughs) you shall look him up 
that's a good choice. Yeah, thank you. That's a really good choice. Thanks. Okay, so end of movie talk. Um, something that Jesse brought up this week that I thought would be great to talk about is actually in the music categories. John mm-hmm. doesn't like to talk music usually with me on the podcast. It's usually <laughs> like me, like you guys need to go check out this album, and John's like, "Can we start the episode?" Right. Like. <laughs> Why are you talking about that? Why are we still talking about this? Yeah. But I'm a huge, like, I'm huge on music, so I'm glad that you want to talk about it. And, John, I know that you're listening to this, so just know, like, I don't actually hate you at all. Yeah. I love you. (laughs) I noticed that. When he was talking about the Mumford & Sons, that episode, I listened to that, and I'm the one he's going to the concert with, just by the way. That's true. I didn't even remember to drop that in there. Yeah, it's me. This guy right here. It's me. It's me, Jessica. I'm I'm the one. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's, yeah. We already have like a musical bond because I've shown that song, There Will Be Time, to so many people. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I already talked about it in a previous episode. Just go back. Yeah, you're going to go back. (laughs) But in, in the previous episode, I talk about how I'm really, this like, this song brought me back to Mumford and it was this mantra for my week. It was just this beautiful uh, powerhouse of a song. And then I showed it to Jesse, and Jesse was like, you're totally right. And I was yeah. like, thank you. Somebody gets it. Oh, I love – oh, my gosh, I loved it. And I don't now, want to get too off subject, but, yeah, I loved yeah. it. Obsessed. Obsessed with the song. I've listened to it a bajillion times. Good. It's actually under my playlist titled Jesus! Exclamation point. Um, along with all like the worship songs, I slipped that in there as well because it's, it's super spiritual to me. It's, it's a like, good one. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. So. It really is just like Jesus. Yeah, like, that's it's the in whole there. Song. It's right. just like a shouty like. <laughs> ah! I love you. Exactly. Exactly. So it made it made its way into my Jesus playlist. That's awesome. Yeah, it's I totally approve. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> You're like I needed that, <laughs> yeah. so thank you God. <laughs> Wipe the sweat off my brow. I'm glad we're we're okay. <laughs> On the same page here. Whew. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so two newer albums, the ones that you brought up, were the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Get, is Getaway the name of the album? Yeah, The Getaway. The Getaway. So we got The Getaway, which came out at like two weeks ago-ish. Mm-hmm. And then Blink-182's California, mm-hmm. which came out like a week and a half ago. They came out about the same time. Yeah. But you were asking me what I thought about them. Yes. And I was like, let's talk about it on the podcast. Let's do it. Because it's... The, the, those bands fall in a very similar category in my mind. They Same. are they are a forgotten genre. They are they are two bands that have not released albums in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been talking a while. Yeah. So <laughs> I, let's well, hear you first. I think that they, they did like they showed the two perfect examples of what you would have to do if you are a band that got kind of lost in the mm. on the way and the mm-hmm. progression of music like they either the red hot chili peppers decided to do, go like a completely different way and blink 182 i feel like went the same way but it was like nostalgic you were yeah. just kind of like listening and i was so obsessed with red hot chili peppers their new album that i was having a hard time like steering away yeah. i kept texting you and i was like dude i like i'm having a Can hard time can i just time. keep listening right. to the red hot chili peppers <laughs> like, is that okay i'm having such a hard time like steering away from it because they well I'll go back to that but 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 Blink-182 I finally like actually just took the time to listen to it and I mean they're lyrically they're just more simple so you can kind of connect more 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just you listen and I'm, I'm very connected just because of the journey of my like past year. It's very symbolic with California and San Diego and Los Angeles. Like, right. It's an album about living in California. Yes. Like a lot of the songs are about that. And we'll get back on this later. Like I want to mention this a little more in depth later, but we're both about new to the, like the same amount of time spent in LA, same yeah. amount of time spent in California, like definitely California and LA were a little bit off, yeah. but it was like a very, like, it was one of those like very simple elements that connected with the album where I was like, that's me. Yeah, exactly. I'm it new was, to this place. It was, and it's, and especially, I, maybe, maybe it's not as, I'm trying to think maybe if it was somebody listening in like Chicago, they wouldn't, Right. Be as appreciative of the Los Angeles song or something like that. But I mean, it just even I mean, just the words, just the way that he was kind of portraying California as a whole. Mm-hmm. And it's it's beautiful. But I love I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, that's album. enough about Blink. <laughs> I'm going to go back where I belong. It's so hard because they did such a good job. So they got like a new producer and for since 19 um 89 they had had the same producer and they just got a new one that's right you're saying that and they went like almost like 70s funkish a little bit with it like they went very um what's that that sound what's that sound I don't. I don't know. It's. It's just. Know. It's. The, it's the bass riff. You know that. Boom, yeah. Boom, 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 yeah. You know, just exactly. Yes, and they nailed it. And it, it's the same guy who the way that he picked up his career was he did the Gray album. Do you remember that when it was? He matched up. Um, it was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. No, this is before. Like he first got his career, the Dead Mouse producer. Oh. He got his career kind of started with the Grey album, which was a mix between Jay-Z's Black album and the Beatles' White album. So he, like, mashed them up, yes. And he, like, brought them together. So it's almost like he kind of did this really cool sounding, like, 70s, but then they kept the Red Hot Chili Peppers sound. And, fun fact, the song um, Stuck Love. Something like that. It's yeah, like yeah, I think that's the title. Yeah, it's something like that. Stuck love or whatever. It kind of has like a Benny and the Jets sound. Elton John mm. worked with them within that song. That makes perfect sense. I know, right? Like it's, it has that little, and you can he's playing in the background of like the chorus of the main mm-hmm. chorus. You could just hear the ding, 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 uh-huh. and that's that's EJ. That's, that's actually all, him. Yeah, it's Elton John. He, they like collab. <laughs> they they went at it together for that's that so song. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I I like I'm obsessed. I love it. I've heard, I've listened to it like ten times. Yeah, like like I text you about it. Just the vibe. Like yeah. we were talking about the vibe. And yeah. there's music I love, but it's not vibey. Like like Mumford and Sons isn't vibey. No, you no. Know, this is just like a. It's just it's it's groovy. You know, it's it's kind of got the '70s funk like you were talking Come about. On, groovy. Which is, <laughs> it's bitching. <laughs> <laughs> Um, should I use bitchin' or groovy? Yeah, right. Definitely groovy. Groovy's a little more, like, in and hip than bitchin'. You are such a grandpa. It, groovy. like, amazes me how old you are. It's so it's weird. It's real groovy. I like it. Yeah, no, it but is. But it, it just has it this, is. like, this very, you know, um, just a, I don't even know how to explain it. It's very, like, well, watery almost. It's because I, when I listen to music, I always think about like what scenes I would be listening to this Mm -hmm. like what would this song be good for and Red Hot Chili Peppers is very much like on the beach like laying out or 
um, going on like a long road trip through the desert. That's kind of what I picture when I'm listening oh, to that. But then Blink-182 is very nostalgic. So it's like I'm going back to my high school days, standing exactly. by a locker with my, you know. Super angsty. Notebook. Yeah, exactly. Feeling. Right. With my long black hair yeah. in my face. Just yeah. Your, yeah, that brooding face. Like, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like another day. I hated high school. So that was me. Same. I, I was hated like, it. the worst. I was a freaking loser, man. Yeah. Somehow I made it in the yearbook, but I was a loser. So like, I think, like I I think was, they're required to put everybody in the yearbook. <laughs> I mean, I mean <laughs> like I want to know Oh my God, they put my portrait in here. <laughs> you know how lucky I am? <laughs> Jesse, everybody gets that. No, but if you knew where my place in high school, it's a big deal for me to to get that. It was a. I meant like I won an award at whatever. But that's what it sounded like. Yeah, it did. It did. It was really. I got in the year. It sounded really, really stupid. (laughs) Yeah, I did. But I don't. It was rigged. I wasn't even like nobody liked me. I was just the weird, like chubby friend that was like funny sometimes. So Blink-182 was like a big part of my Mm -hmm. upbringing because it was like, you know, angst. Yeah, totally. All the angst. But you studied Blink-182 a little bit. Right, because I was talking to you about it and I was like, there's something really, there's something interesting about this album because it's not this, it's not the Blink-182 that we knew. Yeah. You know, I was like, this is, but I was confused because it sounds exactly the same. So I was like, "I, I don't think it's them. So then I looked and it was actually really interesting. It was... So basically, it's it's founded by these these three guys, right? You got the like the drummer, the guitarist, and the vocalist. And the vocalist is Tom DeLonge, mm-hmm. and and it's all the same people still. No, okay, no. Um, so it's those three, and they start and they rise to mm-hmm. fame. And Tom DeLonge gets all these other opportunities, and he like. The well, first the band starts like breaking apart, like traditional story. The band starts breaking apart, right? And he starts getting these other opportunities, and they like maybe we should part ways. So he leaves. The other two guys start a new band, Plus Forty Four. You know, mm-hmm. Plus Forty Four yeah. is yeah, that's them for sure. So they're doing that whole thing, but the they're two, both the Travis Barker and other homeboy. Yeah, Hollis. Okay, whichever one's Hollis. Okay, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Tom DeLonge went off and did, did Boxcar Racer or whatever that band was. He did like a really... What? He did like a really like depressing... I think he had just broken up with his girlfriend. I think oh. I think it was him that did that one. Probably. And then they went off to the other ones. I don't know. I tried to like simplify it as much in my head, so I don't have all the details. So you Sorry, might be right. I'm totally messing no, you up. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> but... Um, I think it's... I think Travis Barker is the one, but... So, so like the 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 two guys who start plus forty four, they're doing their own things as well. And Travis Barker is in this plane crash, this plane crash where everybody dies except him and this other guy. What? And oh, oh this is so interesting. Okay. It is, yeah. And the other guy, Hollis, I think I think it's Hollis. Hollis is like, oh my god, like, because uh, he's one of the first people to find out about it because they're in the band. Tom DeLonge doesn't know yet because they haven't been talking to each other for a long time. So he's like, he gets on the next flight. He's like getting to the emergency hospital as fast as he can. And it's on the news and Tom DeLonge finds out about it. And he's like, oh my God, that's my, that's my buddy. So he finds out on the news and then he gets there as fast as he can. And, and Travis Barker lives. Tom DeLonge walks in like it's like a movie, you know, and he's there. 
and they have this huge like reconciliation and he's like we're gonna be blink 182 again and it's like you know like they have this uh this whole thing and uh travis barker i hope it's travis barker is the one in the hospital because if not i'm saying like the story wrong continuously like throughout (laughs) but at least you're but he's in the hospital for like a few weeks and they start like songwriting and jamming in the hospital like they're just hanging out all of this time they like make another album they go on tour again everything's great i think they do like another album go on tour again and Tom DeLong starts drifting off again. Like, I don't want to, I just, like, in his own words, he says he has a hard time committing to serious things. Like, he can't commit to things. So right. he's, he starts drifting away again. Um, in about a year and a half ago, they're working on their next album. And... The believe, same people, all three of them. Yeah, all three of okay. them are working on their next album. I believe that's what's happening. Um... But they're doing, like, a few concerts in the middle of this. And Tom DeLonge's not showing up. And they get substitutes. They, like, make it work, you know. And then eventually they're like, dude, are you in or are you out? And he's like, I can't do it. And so he leaves the band again. And then one of the substitutes, Matt Skyba, Matt Skyba, I think. He's one of the guys who was subbing in for them. Mm -hmm. He's the lead singer on this new album. Gotcha. And so now Blink-182 is the two people and this new guy. But the lead singer, the, it sounded like the same voice. I know. Oh, it's not him. No, it's not Get him. Get out of here. Oh, and then on top of that, they're like writing that album whenever he was like, peace out. Yeah. They scrapped that whole album and then they wrote California, like this new album. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They That's like, insane. They like scrapped fifteen songs, and they're like, "Let's right. let's do it again." And then they they made this album. That is so insane. Isn't that just? I was like, "This is a really great." That's story. an awesome story. That's like movie worthy. I know. I wow. know. I was like, "This might be a movie one day." This very well might be one. That's crazy. That always makes me think about people's decisions, though. Like Tom DeLonge. That's the one that dipped out, right? Mm-hmm. It's like. He, I, I really think that he had that second chance to like be a part of Blink One Eighty Two, and then he was too. He made the like human choice to leave, and it's like, but what? Like, look what you just like. Yeah, you just left. You there know what I mean? Been, there must have been something going on in his life. I know that was just pulling him in like a hundred different directions. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. I did not realize it's that intense. It is. Wow, it's so weird. Wow, Mathis. Yeah. The more you know. Yeah. That's beautiful. But anyways. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad that you read up on that because I just... Yeah. It was interesting. Um, I, too, I liked both albums a lot. I like I like that Blink-182 when you're listening to it. It's like, we still sound like the same band and we don't care. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah. I was like, this is great. Yeah. And then I was, you know, I was totally vibing with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. They did. They did yeah. exact like they just did the two things that old bands need to do. That's mm-hmm. they they showed us exactly yeah. what routes to take. Almost like you have this option or you have this option. Yeah. yeah. Now they, they are it. our handbook. Yeah. And bands can do it after if they choose. What's really interesting is that when California came out, that's the album that took Drake off the number one album of on the charts. 
Really? It was the Blink-182 oh, album. Oh, I love that. And everyone was like, huh? What? <laughs> are you sure? It, yeah, it was just like, people were like, okay, well, obviously Drake has more fans than Blink-182. Like, what happened? But um, I was reading this Forbes article about it, and they said that, like, alternative rock fans, like, especially of the music of the 90s, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers or... Uh, Blink-182, like, they're, they're the most devoted fans in, like, yeah. the music industry, or in, yeah, the industry. So, like, when that album dropped, they were all there to support that album. Yeah. And when they, when those bands go into concerts, they're the ones that are, like, they fill the concerts of, like, the same people who have been going to the concerts since the beginning. Yeah. Like, they've, they're just always there for them. So they are a market that they can always feed to if wow. they release new albums. That's awesome. But yeah, that album was at the top of the chart for nine weeks. And there's like, get out of here. Yeah, Like, I love that. Isn't that crazy? Yes. That makes me so happy. And I just, I just found that. Like, I was like, I want to see what the history of the band is. And that was the first thing that came up. And I was like, what? And then I just read the little blurb on it. I was like, that's really, that's really impressive. Like, good for them. After this many years being able to just knock literally you know one of the hottest artists of today like yeah he's a huge artist yeah so he's ginormous and he has yeah. all the fans he does yeah Even if people are so hating on him it's like you still listen to a good drake tune yeah like, exactly he's like you are, he's like the beeps yeah it's like you can hate them all, all you want but there are a billion people who are like you're wrong and right. we're gonna buy the record right so it doesn't matter yeah that's yeah. awesome that makes me really really happy i don't know why because i like drake i do i, I do too, i yeah. enjoy his music, I think that he's a cheese ball, and I kind of like how goofy he is. I love how goofy he is. Yeah. yeah, but it's like that really, that really makes me happy. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's great, math. It's a cool little fun fact. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I did. I'm doing the detective work. <laughs> I am learning all of the things. <laughs> so many things. But moving on to the last section mm. of the cast here. Yeah, the old casteroo. The casteroo. Yeah. <laughs> We always close the show with something a little more below the surface, you know, something not entertainment-based, something Hmm. a little more um, heart-based, usually, a little soul-based. So I just, like, I wanted to ask you a few questions about it, and like I was saying earlier that we would come back to, I think it's very interesting that me and Jesse both moved to California from the same place in Indiana, like... Mm-hmm. We were living very close by. We didn't know each other. No. And then we both moved out here at around the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's very it's very interesting because there, there are some people that it's kind of hard to explain what living in the Midwest is like to. And then you have Jesse, who actually exactly knows because she lived down the street from where you were at. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then we've been in L.A. the same amount of time. And I want to, I was going to ask you what brought you out here. To Los Angeles. Yeah. Or even just California. Because you were in San Diego before you came to, to I Los was. Angeles. I was. I was. So I had, I'm from Seattle originally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once I had left Seattle, I went to Indiana because I got a full ride for softball. And so when I was there, or I guess not full ride, whatever, I got all my school paid for, just not my living. I don't want to like fib 
and you know have, let me get these details uh, exactly right right, right, yeah. right exactly because petty people out there will be like no she didn't and then you know it's gonna be this big thing so whatever it's gonna be a real scandal you're gonna have on your hands there jesse it's gonna be a real big problem i can't oh my gosh so so i went to um indiana and then i had kept in contact with two of like my really good friends from high school yeah and when I was in Indiana, I had planned on being like, okay, well, four years, and I'm out of here. Like that, it was. And it was L.A. or was it? It California? was. It was L.A. It was always L.A. Hundred percent. I think I knew that, but I always forgot. L.A. Yeah, like that was. Once I'm done, I'm moving here with my best friend, and we're gonna do was whatever. It, was it just a friend thing though? Like, that's where my friends are. Yep. That seems like a great place. Strictly just that's a friend thing. Go. Okay. Yeah. Like, not even, like, no dreams, no aspirations, <laughs> like... I really didn't have anything I yeah, cared about, no. but I was like, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> that was it. Like, that was it. So, <laughs> so I was... Um, I ended up being there uh, seven years in total, I think. A little off. You did a little pre- off. You got here, though. Because I got sucked in, and, like, relationships happened, and then it's like... You just sit and you're like, maybe they'll change. And then, like, they didn't change. You know what I mean? That's so funny. It's like, that's that was half of my waiting around was, like, yeah. hoping that this person changed. And it just, you know, didn't happen, obviously. So then I had met my, um, my ex-boyfriend now. But at the time, I met him. And we started dating. And he, is, he was from uh, San Francisco. Mm. So he had a connection to the West Coast, and I did as well. He was living in Indiana. He was in Indiana as well. Yeah. yeah. So it happened where my other friend from high school had opened a restaurant in San Diego. And that was, there was no other reason aside from like, that was my ticket out. And I was like, okay, I'm going to work at this restaurant, and my boyfriend's coming with me, and we're going to live in San Diego, and that's it. So LA wasn't actually the starting point because I didn't. Like I said, I didn't have any dreams to be here, you know, and you kind of like, you kind of got to have some solid dreams to be in Los Angeles. You do. So, um, so yeah, so I moved to San Diego and just like the craziest events happened ever. And I had just, I, I found God. I had this like divine appointment on an airplane going back home. And once that happened, it just kind of turned out that everybody else in my life in San Diego like wasn't on that page oh. <laughs> you know like yeah. I was like yes okay Jesus and then all of a sudden I was like telling people about it and everyone's like all right crazy and so yeah. I I just lost everybody like I lost all of my friends I lost my boyfriend I lost not like he didn't die but like you know I just lost so it I lost my boyfriend <laughs> right? like oh. like he broke Sorry. up with me and you know and me and my best friend got in a huge fight and it just so happened that the only other person that I had in California was my other friend from that I my best friend yeah that was in LA so I was like okay I was sick of being there all the time and it was miserable and so I just kept coming up to Los Angeles like for a weekend at a time and then it turned into like a week and then it turned into a month and then all of a sudden it was like okay I guess I'm here yeah. And my purpose was like revealed almost immediately as well while I was here too. So it just matched. I mean, it was, it was like, it was an accidental like discovery, discovery yeah. that I love Los Angeles and I love what I intend to do with my life. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. It was very random. Do you want to talk a little bit about this divine appointment on the plane? It's a pretty interesting <laughs> story. Like, it's a very... Like, when I when I first heard it, I was like, go that guy. Yeah. It you was know? it was crazy. So there's this awesome guy named Jim. So it's 6 a.m. And I was like, I just was tired. I just wanted to go home. I think I had, like, taken a sleeping pill so I could sleep on the plane. Like, I just was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I get like I walk down the aisle and then all of a sudden I'm going to my seat and I look over to my or to my left to where my seat is. And this woman's sitting there and she goes, oh, uh, I think this is your seat, but this is actually my uh, my children are right here. Could I sit here and then you can sit in my seat? And so I go, "Okay, sure, whatever. That's fine. So then I turn to the right to go to her seat. And then all of a sudden I'm about to sit down and this gentleman goes, "Uh, excuse me, I just had knee surgery. Do you mind if I. Just switch seats with you, and you can it sit. It happened again? Yes, it happened again. So he, he turns, and he's like, I, I had knee surgery, so can I sit in the aisle, and then you can actually sit on the window seat. And I was oh, like, wow. sure, I guess. And then the person in front of him turned around, and they go, actually, that's my, uh, that's my husband. Do you mind if I just go ahead and sit by him, and then you can sit in the row in front? So I was, like, mixed up. Like, the, I was not supposed to be sitting anywhere in that seat, not oh, even close. Gosh. Yeah, like, it was... Yeah. A scramble. So then I finally, I was like, I don't care where I sit. I just, I need to sit down. So I go, finally sit down. It ends up being me in the window, a seat, an empty seat, and then the guy named Jim who like radically changed my life. So, I mean, it was just set up like God's like, okay, this is it. Like you're getting saved today. No more waiting, you know? And so finally... Uh, We just start talking, and he's just kind of asking questions. What are you doing? Where are you going? Um, He was from Seattle as well, and he was going to go, like, spend his dad's, go out to dinner with his dad or whatever. And then he goes, and then I uh, actually spend a week or so with a bunch of my friends, and we go up or we go camping, and we just really connect with God again. And we talk about our relationship and what we need to grow with. And when he said that, you know, I remember, I I distinctly remember the moment where, I had the choice to either just say, oh, cool, that's fun, and then just, like, sleep, or to open up. And mm. I remember thinking in my mind, I was like, well, just open up, I guess. And so, I, I, for whatever reason, I just kind of started talking, and I was like, yeah, I, I, um, I definitely believe in God, and I... I, my best friend, who I live with now, she was actually the one who introduced me to God, like, seven years before that, And I was just kind of explaining my life and my heart. And I was just like, I just really have, I have a really weird circumstance and I'm in kind of a bad place. And he just fully like opened up and was like, Jesus loves you. Like he wants you like with him so bad and just started like dropping like verses on me. And I'm just like weeping and and, like in my seat and he's Mm -hmm. just like praying for me and the lady behind us at the end of the trip, she's like, so I guess you guys got along, huh? And I was like... Yeah, I guess so. That's and, a movie. Yeah, moment. right. I was like, guess you guys got along. Yeah, I guess it went well. And I was like, yeah. And that from that moment on, I got off the plane. And I still to this day, I'm like, I, I like shot off the plane. I was like, you guys, I had this miraculous moment. And, you know, my parents are amazing and they're probably going to listen to this. So, I mean, they're uh, they're like the best. They're the bee's knees. But I still explain this moment to them and they're just kind of like, oh, that's cool, honey. You know, yeah. like. Sure. Like, glad you had that. But, it, you know, it's not like speaking to somebody who understands, like, how 
amazing God is and having them be like, oh my gosh, that's the coolest moment ever mm -hmm. in my life, you know? And mm -hmm. same with my ex-boyfriend. Everybody that I pretty much told was just kind of like, cool, you know? And it, yeah. it wasn't until I got here and started realizing like what like God coming after you looks like that I appreciated the moment because it, it was... It was huge, and I just I, there were so many things that I just needed to fix, and that's kind of why my life took such a turn because I stopped wanting to party, I stopped wanting to do all this stuff that was connecting me to to these other relationships. So it kind of just cut those cut those real quick yeah. when you don't really want to <laughs> do that, or it's like oh I can be sober and a bunch of you know hammered drunk people, and it's like it's not. Yeah. It's not that fun, you know, like it kind of sucks. So then it, your life just changes. But yeah, so Jim is the coolest. Uh, I might he share certainly this. sounds like it. Yeah, he's the best. And he was awesome. To, he would like kept checking in with me. and Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he kept like texting me, making sure. And, you know, at first I didn't understand that you could follow God, but still like make mistakes. So I was trying to sound mm. very like everything's awesome and I'm doing great and Jesus is a part of my life. And, and, you know, after a while I realized like, Oh, just like be honest, you know, like if yeah. you're having trouble with something like say it, you know, you're not superhuman just because you love God. Yeah. That was hard for me to understand at first, but. Which is, which is something that, um, as far as I understand a lot of people who first become Christians, like, they they really try to put on the nun slash monk yes. status really fast, and yeah. they're like, "Oh yeah, alcohol? No, I would never <laughs> drink a drink with alcohol in it. Like that's terrible. I need to go pray, you know? Right, right. And yeah. and it just it's almost like you have to be you have to be like re liberated. Like obviously nobody's perfect. We talk about that all the time on the podcast. Like nobody has it all figured out. Like we're we're imperfect but it's not like a problem like it's right. it's not a problem to be an imperfect human it is just very natural and and when you screw up it's like obviously not the end you know right like it's it feels like it though man like because yeah. when i came from just religion that's all i really knew it felt like if you screw up you're just the world's worst human being like it felt right, for yeah. so long it felt like there was no messing up and god's not going to love you if you it it felt like you're always trying to redeem yourself and you're always trying to fix something and even i mean in, i'm still learning now to this day it's been two years in august it's going to be two years since that plane ride yeah and um and it's like i'm still learning that like you are so perfect in God's eyes. He just doesn't want you to do those things because it's hurting you. But, like, you're perfect. Like, he loves... He thinks that I'm the coolest person alive. Like, he right. does everybody else. You know what I mean? There's nothing that I could do wrong. But he just doesn't want you to hurt yourself. And it took me a long time to realize that. Just because religion sucks the freaking life out of you sometimes, man. It does. It's frustrating. It's, it's, putting, a, it's putting a book to like a soul thing it's like yeah it's just really hard to just like define things in black and white when it comes to things to do yeah. with your spirit which is like a problem why people can't always sympathize or empathize yeah. with whenever you are like i had this most amazing encounter with god and people are sometimes like i don't cool i don't <laughs> I know guess. what to tell you yeah you i think you're making it up you know like that's what they're yeah. thinking on the inside of their head right but it's there's so much not black and white about it. Yeah. What you wouldn't 
what is what does like spirituality, religion, God look like before before the moment on the plane? Oh man, um, I had always heard the word fear of God, and I always mm-hmm. knew I it was I didn't agree with it, but I also kind of thought it was real. You know, like I was mm. like, am I supposed to be afraid of God? Like, is that is that what I'm supposed to do? Because I'm not like. I, I love him. I And I would go through these spurts, too. Like, every time that I would... There'd just be these moments I can remember in college where it's like... It's funny, because I always, I always have these moments. Even when I was breaking up with... Even I remember the moment that me and my boyfriend were breaking up, and he was just telling me... When I was in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, like, I can't do this anymore, blah, blah, blah. There was a moment where I could have fought for the relationship... And then there was a moment where I just could have said, okay, like, I'm sorry. And I went that direction. I went the, okay, I, I guess if that's how you feel it, but I remember God kind of displaying that moment, like you have the options, but I'm going to let you choose. And I've thankfully chosen, I think the right ones Uh, (laughs) up till this point, I think, I think I've done okay. You know, I don't know. I, I wouldn't know if I didn't, but Um, but I just remember, you know, having these moments of like, just thinking back and forth of, of like, is this right? Or is this right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I'd choose out of fear Mm -hmm. and I was really choosing, I was, I was having those moments put in front of me and I was afraid of what God would do to me. Or if I'd make a mistake, I would just know that something bad would happen. And then when something bad did happen, I was like, well, it's cause I made a mistake. Like. Because God's smiting me. You know what I mean? Like, And this is like the seven years before the plane ride? Before. Like this is that time in yes. life? Or is that like everything? Like that's... No, that's... that's you, that was seven years. That was before. That was those seven years before. And probably even after. It wasn't until recently until I got to the church that we go to that yeah. I'm like... And met the amazing group of people that I'd been like... Like literally I prayed for a year straight just for a community of people... And finally, God just gave me this amazing group and just like hearing the hearts of the people like our friends is it it just makes me realize like who, you know, God really is. And but I probably up until even I met you guys, I was still afraid. Yeah. Anything bad that would happen. it, It was like, okay, well, then what did I do? Like trying to think of what bad actions I did to cause this reaction. Mm which was very stressful. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to break it too because yeah. I certainly lived with that, you know. Like I wasn't I wasn't exactly raised like raised from birth in the church, but it was pretty quickly afterwards. Like right. I was like 7 when we started going to church. And it was it was just years of like just living with the shame of well, if I screwed up, it's I've done something against God. Yeah. And it's it's one of, it's a really hard thing to break, but it's I don't know it's it's so important that that we figure this out like just on a like societal level on like a church community around the world level because it is like if anybody is going to to find God they need to they need to have the like the proper thing put in front of them right now. It just takes too long to break that kind of stuff off of you. Like they yeah. need to understand that our our beliefs are mirroring mirroring God's love for the world, God's love for people. Mm-hmm. And because of 
because of that. This is this is a belief system. This is a relationship based around love. Like you yeah. you don't marry somebody because you're afraid of like what they would do, you know, of what they would right. say. Right. Yes. What I mean? That's what I had to start thinking of it as. And same really? with my my parents cuz like I said, like I have the most like my parents are the best. Like my dad is absolutely brilliant. He's a f- underwater physicist. Like the man's amazing. He's very logical. Mm. He always made me like like when I wanted to get my tongue pierced when I was young, I had to make a PowerPoint presentation, call the doctor, call the dentist. Like I That's put, fantastic. Yeah. Like he like he's a very logical man and I was I'm an only child and I did get a lot of things, but he always made me present an argument for it. So there, and my mom's like absolutely like one of my best friends now. Like she's just, we're so close. She's so easy to talk to. I have the best parents. And so molding my idea of God after them is so easy and so much more relieving than what I used to think. The big white bearded man sitting on the throne pointing at you being like, uh, you did this wrong. Like I smite you, you know, like that's why. But once I kind of understood like like start looking at it as your father loves you as your own dad your earthly father like how I can do a lot I I did a lot of things wrong in high school like I was just a screw up but my dad never never ever turned his back on me you know and he still loved me unconditionally and he still did everything he possibly could for me and that's it was the perfect display for God like my dad did I mean my parents just did they they mirrored even if they're not like close and even if they don't see the like god and jesus the way that i do they still mirrored it really well mm-hmm. it was it's really strange to think back on it because they didn't have the bible as this outline really they just did it how they wanted to and they just happened to be awesome you know yeah it's crazy i've talked to you about that like a little bit like certain things i feel like it's a lot of like God in the world to me is not a choice. It's just inherent. Like it's because it is his place because it is him and everything. You have things like your parents aren't even trying, but they are being like such a great display yeah. of love and such a, a symbol that you, you, you look to as you grow up. And then you get to this moment where, where there's this like revelation, this awakening of like spirituality of the, the power of Christ, the power of God and it's that symbol that helps get you there, you know? Yeah. And that's, that is the, that's the inherent God is like here and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, it's just, yeah. it's always here. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's hard sometimes to see where God is at in certain situations, but I feel like I, even more now, I love to look at things and just be like, okay, so where are you in that? Like, God, where are you? in this situation and then finding him is just like it's it's like this puzzle that's constantly moving around and very very frustrating at some point <laughs> but you know like it's yeah. fun it's it's very it's very mystic you know it's very mm-hmm. like like god moves in a very mysterious way and yeah. it is it is a part of like it's it's a part of the mission of humans to be looking for what you're looking for. You know, it's yeah. like, where, where is, where is the, the, you know, the spirit in this, where is God in this stuff and every, in the places where I want to look, you know, like, or where do I bring, where do I bring a spirit of, 
of God into these things. You know, like, how yeah. do I do that? Like, that's something that that I think that everybody is called to do. And, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I concur. Ah, mm. Again. Yeah. <laughs> good. What? So now you're in L.A. Mm-hmm. And what are what are the dreams? What are the dreams that you didn't have before? What are the passions that that never existed that now have filled that, you know, that gap? So I am definitely ever since I was young, I've always wanted to I, I've just for whatever reason wanted to change the way that the blueprint of the world. So when I was really young before I knew that I was awful at basketball, I wanted to be the first woman in the NBA. I was so uh, bad. Dude. I was like the worst basketball player. You're like, don't I, worry, I'll get better. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to change. Right, like, right. It's going to change for and me. And it was like, that's not, God's like, nah, girl, that's not your, yeah, put the it's ball not your down. Right, right. Like put it was, the ball down. it was bad, embarrassing. But I wanted to be the first woman, woman in the NBA. And mm-hmm. then even after that, even, after I graduated college, I tried out for um, the first, it was a woman's baseball team, but I wanted to be the first woman in the in the MLB. And then mm. it kind of progressed from there. I've just always wanted to change the way that the world works. And I wanted to be kind of like a pioneer of sorts. So that's a justice. That's it. Justice has always been like on my heart. So when I was saved, um, when I was saved for whatever reason, like automatically, Um, the LGBT community was brought up and just stirred my soul and was like, that's your purpose. And I didn't necessarily know what I was meant to do. Was I supposed to be a missionary? Like, I don't really know. I didn't know what I wanted to do within that arena. But when I got to Los Angeles, I, I forgot. I didn't even think about the fact that there's other people aside from the actors that are in these movies and that these other people have a voice right. and they have like the ability to be like to write scripts and to pr- produce movies and television shows that like change people's lives and change people's outlooks. Yeah. And so when that was brought up and my friend and I, I was a captain on a softball team like all four years. I love leading. I love to lead people. And so when she... Um, when she kind of brought up production, she was like, take a look, you might like it. And I'm looking through the steps of production and I'm looking through all the, you know, what the job title is and everything that goes into production. It is leading a softball team. It's being a captain on a softball team. You know what I mean? Like it's everything that I love to do. It's leading by example. It's making sure that X is here and Y is here and making sure that everything lines up and getting, Mm -hmm. making sure everyone's happy. And I mean, every piece of it, it was just like, a big light bulb went off and I was just like, oh, like the skies opened and it was, you know, like this is it. Like I just knew it immediately. I was like, oh, yep, that's it. And so and that was probably, like I said, like maybe the first month I got here. It wasn't it did not take long for that to be revealed. Wow. And then once that was revealed, then my mind just started going nuts and, you know, ping ponging everywhere and trying to decide what I wanted to do with this information. Yeah. Yeah. But so that's kind of production, def- TV, movies. That's pretty much, that's it. And I, like I said, it's not something that I've always known I wanted to do. I just know that I can reach a big demographic if I do it right. You know, like I can really. Entertainment right? Yeah. Or LGBT community right? Both, I like, guess. Yeah. Church right. I mean, like, I don't know. That's such a, it's a very. And I'm sure there's overlap in that. It's like one of the ways that you you speak to that community 
is through entertainment. You know, entertainment speaks to people. So it's, yeah, and the LGBT community is huge within the entertainment industry. It is, yeah. You know, like so huge. I mean, it's one of just like by jobs and positions alone. Like the LGBT community is huge within the entertainment industry but then on top of it every you know gay man loves a fabulous movie or you know these roles and and they like or you know i don't know it's it's just very um it's easy to relay the message through movies as well to that community through tv and movies i guess also not just like working wise but yeah relaying the message wise so what do we what do we do as christians what do we do to talk to talk to people and not look like we like we hate everybody which which is so far just so far from the truth and i know what happens i obviously what happens is that there are there are people there there's a lot of division in in the world like it's it just happens and there are there are people on any side of any arena that are are going to speak hate. So I know where that you know I know where that um, that comes from, and it's I mean we have we have to unfortunately we're grouped with some hate speakers, and that's yeah that's just what happens though I think honestly like i'm not gonna like try to self-victimize myself in that because i think it happens with with anything that you want to associate yourself with like yeah that's going to happen so it's it's very hard to like just eliminate that vision or that that's that voice within a group altogether but but on the mass level like other than the hate speakers how do how do we talk to the lgbt community Uh, it's it's really we're at a very um interesting time because we're so far progressed and it's like the the gay community or the LGBT community is very um they just have a sour taste that yeah like it's it's not even like the beginning stages where it's like oh well this sucks but I could still probably believe in this it's like we have been spitting hate at this group of people for so long that it's it's to the point where it's just like okay well then screw you guys like we're gonna go over here even if that's not the display of god like they're still like well this group of people's associated with god so i don't even want it we are so far we've come so far deep into this hole of making them feel like just the worst things on the earth that getting out of it is really really hard um i just i think that it's just so important for, I mean, even like my best friend from Indiana, I'm like, I'm kind of slowly but surely trying to kind of like not push anything on her, but kind of coach her through like, so what do you think about God or what's your ideas about right, exactly. or, you know, like what is this and that? And just me displaying my love for her. I think that that helps her understand that like yeah. God doesn't smite her and God loves her like a lot. I know she's not completely sold cause she laughs at me sometimes when I say my stories and she's like, you sound crazy. And I'm like, <laughs> I get it. Like I know I sound yeah, crazy. Of course I do. Yeah. yeah it exactly. just happens. Exactly. But, um, you know, I think I'm definitely, I'm anointed in that area to be able to tell her those things and to have her have the grace on her heart in the moment. And I also believe that they will kind of 
at some point pop into her mind when a situation arises and she could say, okay, well, even though Jesse sounded crazy in that one, that one time she was talking to me, you know, it doesn't sound so crazy. Yeah. Right, right now, now it sounds yeah. back on, on track, but I think it's really the, the fact of the matter is, is that we have to stop putting the negativity of you can't love who you want to love on their lives. Whether you believe that or not, it doesn't matter because at this moment right now, they just have to feel the love of God. And it's not about you and it's not about your beliefs. Even if you're for it, you're not the main exactly. spokesperson of this. Who cares God if you're is. for it? Yeah. yeah. It's, there's something bigger at play here. There's, like, there's love. Yes. It's not, it's not our love. It's, it's the bigger love. Yes. It's the, the biggest it's love. It's the biggest. Yeah. And it's like, that's not, we have to stop shoving the God loves you, but you have to repent and get saved and stop love because we have people in this community who have, we have transgenders who have already made the turn to be from uh, F to M or M to F. Like we have, mm-hmm. we have gay family members who have, or who have been 20 years married and have children. So who are you, how are you going to tell them that it's like telling a Christian that, you know, them loving Jesus is not right. Like they are loving the person that they have spent their whole entire lives with. And now we're trying to dig in and say, well, that's not right. And in order for God to love you, you actually have to ruin your whole family. Right. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And it's like, like we, it can't, you can't just shove like your, your, your beliefs down somebody's throat. You have to, we're here for God. Like we're here to say like, this is how God loves you. This is how much God loves you. This is why God loves you. And then whatever's meant for their plate, whatever's meant to happen in their lives, God's going to figure it out. We have, that's the one trust the Lord with all all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That has been what I have like rode on for my entire path with the LGBT community. Cause I don't understand a lot of things that happen, but I know that God does. So no matter what my beliefs are, no matter what I think, whether I'm for it, whether I'm against it, it doesn't matter because I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not God. God is the one that's going to figure things out. He's the one that's going to talk to them. He's the one that's going to, you know, present them with this amazing life. But we're just not even giving them the opportunity. Yeah, I think that if you just if you just strip if you strip spirituality from the discussion, which which is impossible to do, but let's pretend like it's not an element in the discussion. There, there is this like, there is this serious need in the world right now to say if I, I don't have to agree to you with you to mm-hmm. respect who you are and respect, yes, you know, like you are a human and you deserve to be treated like a human. Yep. And that's like what you're saying at the end resonates with me so much because it's not about whether I agree with you or not. It's about are you bigger than your own opinions right now? Can you can you find unification and the fact that there everybody is a human and we're all connected yep you know and Mm -hmm. it's honestly like it's such a it sounds so goofy but i always remember back to remember the titans because it's such a it's such a simple but profound moment like it is a team that is brought together like and it doesn't at the at the beginning it doesn't matter what you agree with it doesn't matter like where you come from it's like no you are all together like you are all the same and i'm i'm gonna need your respect yeah i don't need you to like these people i need your respect for people mm-hmm. and and then and then when you come to that understanding which everybody needs to right 
Um, then when you throw the spirituality on top of it, it's like, well, we need to be we need to be tolerant because that's the that's the only way that the world finds you know this unity. But you bring that spirituality into it, and it's like there is there is that that connection. There's that greater love, and there's that thing beyond us, and there's something that as Christians we are trying to shine into the world and and when you bring that element into it it's like you need to be tolerant one because they're human mm-hmm. and two because it's not about what you think about the situation because there's something else there's there's a bigger thing there's something yeah. bigger than people yes absolutely and absolutely and that is like the biggest way that the enemy just holds on to it and i this is like personal belief this is nothing that this isn't like scientifically proven but i mm-hmm. I really believe that there's something really special in like the heart of these men and women. Like I like literally like physically different. There's something really special that's like emotionally different that the enemy just tries so hard to push to the other direction because once these once a member of the LGBT community grabs on to God and how much God loves them, they are going to sing that. They have entire parades celebrating like who they are as people imagine if they like grabbed onto god imagine if they had that platform mm-hmm. but then god was in it it's mm-hmm. like that would be that is one of the strongest group of people that could possibly ever just scream god's name because they are so loud they're proud they are they're not afraid to say what they love and that is i mean that's i i believe that that's a huge reason why the enemy is trying to push them away so much is because he knows that they are such a threat because once they once they grab on, man, they're they're gonna go like they're yeah. gonna fly. It's crazy. Like if there was a Jesus people movement within the LGBT community, yeah, it would be it would be ama- it would be amazing chaos. Because it would just it would it would fly off the rails, man. It'd be crazy. It so would much be love. so crazy. Yeah. I love I love the way you put that. Like it's so it's so good. I love to think about it that way. Yeah, you you've said that once to me, and it really like blew my mind. I was like, that's so. That's so true. Yeah. The place that these people come from, it's just, there's an energy there. There's yeah. a really, there's a really wonderful energy there. Yeah, exactly. And there's, they're special. It's a special group of people. My heart is just so, I mean, I played, you know, I was a college athlete and in my case, the whole like gay college athlete thing was very much a part of my entire school. So that was where I grew up. That's where like people that's where I found out that like people actually love me for who I am and like that I'm accepted because I really that's thought, another element in the yeah. you know, the gay community. That's something yes. that and it wasn't looks wise. It wasn't like because I I had a, I have a ton of gay friends and it wasn't that people were looking at me and like oh she's attractive. It was like I love your heart. Like people were just loving on me whether I was straight, whether I was gay, whether I was you know just crazy. They like were looking at me and just saying like, I love you as a person. And that was enough to make me go from this like really self-doubting, sad little girl to like the woman that I am today. And I felt respected and I felt like I had I had something. I just felt special. Mm. And that that's it was I I don't I don't know where else I could have found that kind of love. I'm, I'm sure I God would have made it happen because I think I needed to be at this place. But yeah that was the group of people that really was just like, oh, wow, you're awesome. And we love you for who you are. And it doesn't matter who you love, what you do. You know, it's, I mean, 
of course, it matters somewhat what you do. It's not like I can go kill people and they're like, cool, dude. Keep it up. <laughs> right, right. Good job. But, yeah, you know what Good I mean? Job. Like, they, they, they molded me into who I am. I, I really, truly am, like, thankful from the bottom of my heart for that time that I had there. Right, to be embraced by that community. Yeah. And then, I mean, you hear that and it's like, of course. Of course that's where Jesse's heart is. Like, of course that's where your heart is at. Like, it makes perfect sense because you, you know, you've, you've come from, you've come from that community of love and, and now you're new to this whole, this Jesus thing, this God thing, you're trying to figure it out. And one thing with that is like that community needs to understand this. Like, yeah. I'm, I come from that community. I know how much they need this. I know how much we need that, you know, mm-hmm. like everybody needs it. Yeah. And it's, just like how I was talking about my dad, how or my parents, how you know, they showed me the love of God without even knowing it. That's mm. ultimately what that group of people did as well. They showed me the love of God without me even knowing that that's what that was. Unconditional, head over heels love. Like true, devoted love. Yeah. And they didn't even, most of my friends don't even know God. That's the crazy yeah. part. They are so much more loving than some people that I even know who know God. So, you know, it's like. It's, yeah. Yeah they displayed it to me and so of course my mind goes there when i think of god i'm like oh the love that you know that group showed me yeah that's what i can relate it to of course you know it's it's like a no-brainer in my mind there there is so there is so much devastation in the the world right now and there's so many tragic awful things happening over and over and over and over again but when i hear something like what you're saying right now i am I am comforted because it is, it reminds me that there truly is love in so many places. Like Mm -hmm. it is just, it's in the air and it's, and you will find it if you're looking for it. Mm -hmm. It's it's so hard to look for love when things are so bad, Yeah. but it's, if you look for it, you will find it. And, and I hope that, you know, other people hearing this, like just remember that like you have to look for love because as much as like a bad thing will continue to happen like it's an opportunity for us to just continue to pour our hearts out for the rest of the world and just to be to be you know that voice that we want mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah i concur again third time's the charm yeah third time man three concurrences three concurrences how many times did it, it concur three times three <laughs> <laughs> it was solid. It was a solid three timer. It was a thrice concur. If it you was, will. Whoa! Yeah, that almost that sounds hard for a kid with a lisp. Thrice com uh, thrice <laughs> You can't even say it and you don't have a lisp. No, how would I say it if I didn't have a lisp? Con- concurrent. Concur. Concurrer. A thrice concur. Concurrence is what you said. A thrice concurrence. A thrice concurrence. A thrice concurrence. A crank concurrence. Oh my god. I really butchered it. Wow, yeah. I put like 30 lists on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. You gave it a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you were terrible, but... <laughs> you tried. But good job, you. Yeah, that's not good it at all. You. Yeah. So, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's wrap this. Let's wrap this puppy up. Uh, Jesse. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. People call I things puppies. Know, I know. It's just you know? the way that you talk sometimes. Again, you're just such I'm just an so old, old soul. Yeah. Let's wrap this puppy up. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think that people are going to love to hear this. It was 
It was Good. awesome. I hope so. I'm sweating. It's hot in here, but it's also because I was nervous. But now I'm... It's like me most of my life. Yeah. It's I'm like, like, is it hot outside or is it... No, it's both. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really freaked <laughs> out just, and it's burning out here. Yeah, yeah. But it was, yeah, it was awesome. And you're just the best host and you make things yeah, easy. Thank so thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I was glad it was easy because I told you it was going to be easy. Yeah. I didn't want to be did. a liar. Right, right. I know. You weren't. It was awesome. Thank you. Um... So if anybody wants to email us questions, you can do that at helloandado at gmail.com. We did get an email this week. I'm saving it for when when John's on the podcast because it does refer to him. So we're going to hold on to that one. Thank you for the email. Um, And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can get uh, updates about the podcast and other things going on in the world. And that is at helloandado. And And, uh, you can rate, subscribe, and review us on iTunes and that helps other people find our podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by and we will see you next week.